I like that. That was good. I had a hard time slowing down, though. I just got to let you know. I really did. I was like, pull back. Angie was squeezing my hand harder and harder. I thought something was going to break. It's good to see everybody tonight. Uh, I want us to begin our thoughts this evening in the book of Ephesians, and then we'll move from there. But there's an important little, well, it's all important, but there's a, there's a sentence there in, in that section of text that we're going to be looking at, Ephesians 5, and in verse 20, that is worth taking note of for tonight's lesson. And I'll just read it to you. Verse 20, give thanks always and for everything. To God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think Paul actually means what he's saying, or should we put some addendums in there for him? Does he actually mean that? Well, I'm of the persuasion that he does actually mean it, not just because he says it here, but because he says it yet again, at least in principle, in yet another section of text. It's not a mistake, it's not a typo if it's repeated twice. Uh, it's not even if it's repeated once, but I'm just, I'm just emphasizing, emphasizing the point. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, again he tells the brethren, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, as I was thinking about that earlier in the week, I wrote an article in today's bulletin as well that, that goes in hand with what we're ta- going to be talking about tonight. And I asked the question in that article, I thought it'd be good to bring out in our lesson together tonight, what about when we suffer illness, defeat, or loss? Does he mean then that we should be giving thanks in all things? Well, what is all things? When a loved one leaves this world and it's hard to see past the tears at the moment, does he mean then? Give thanks then too? Or when you've been praying that the prodigal child will return, and it seems like prayers go unanswered, does he mean to give thanks then also? You get the point, right? What about when you're discouraged or disillusioned or struggling with unbelief? What about when you feel overwhelmed or overextended or overstressed? What about when someone's been cruel to you, when somebody's treated you unfair, when life is not being fair? What about when the air conditioner stops working on a holiday weekend called Thanksgiving? <laughs> All of these things and more, we could, we could ask that question, am I supposed to give thanks now in this? Because it certainly seems like that would be the time that we do not give thanks and that God wouldn't expect us to be giving thanks. I, I want us to think a little more deeply on this this evening. I think it helps us in the way that we view our, our faith. Maybe you know... At the very time of Paul's writing of these words, Paul is not even a free man. He should have been free. He was a Roman. He's unjustly imprisoned, unjustly having been beat up and beat upon, unjustly having been falsely accused. And here he is writing these words, give thanks always in everything, That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How could he say these things? Was Paul, I mean, honestly, think of that for a moment. Was Paul just, he just chose to be indifferent maybe? Or or maybe he's he's of just this immunity that he's got this, this, this natural ability to build against such things and just never get down. 
Like everything, he's just on the up. I think the key to the kind of gratitude that we're looking at in our, in our study together this evening, it does not come from events. It comes from those last words, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that may be kind of hard to get a hold of for a second, but I think the point that he's making, if we think about what's being said, is that everything that we are goes through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everything goes through him. Paul had some things that he could be thankful about, and these outweighed the things that he was having difficulty in. Even though he was imprisoned, he is suffering because of his arrest, abuse, and and this imprisonment that he finds himself at. It's also true that he was thankful for what Christ had accomplished through the very imprisonment that he finds himself in. For example, in his letter to the Philippians, he talks about his imprisonment resulting in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 3, the proclamation of the name of Christ among the soldiers that he himself is making point of, he never would have been able to reach if it had not been for his position in the imprisonment. In verse 14 of that same chapter, he tells of how his imprisonment had resulted in the brethren being emboldened in their faith. That's not about him, that's about them, but still, he found great courage and, and zeal, joy in that fact. His example under trial, under this duress, Cause these fellow believers to gain a greater and deeper perspective on faith and what that means. In verses 15 through 18, he writes about those who were trying to cause him grief because they preached and taught about Jesus and even falsely accusing him of things that were not true with impure motives. And he says, but I'm giving thanks because at least Jesus is being preached to somebody who's lost. In everything, Paul's perspective was that in everything, there can be found thanks when we're looking at that through the eyes of Christ, through the life of Christ that's living in us. It is hard to get a hold of, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult for us to say, well, everything changed because he had this perspective. But ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is it not true that everything in our life changes when we view it through Christ? That changes everything about our life, everything about the circumstances we go through. Does it change us to the point that we can find thanks in everything, though? Ephesians 5 verse 20 says it as well when it talks about the very same thing. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those few words change everything about us. We recognize values, strength, courage in these things. Even the suffering which comes upon us will produce character, perseverance, hope, as Romans 5 describes for us. I think I was supposed to have a Romans 5 chart up there, but that's okay. So does this mean then that we are somehow immune to heartbreak and suffering? That they're any less horrible? That when we're going through difficulties and problems in life, we find a joy there that we just enjoy that problem. Is that what we're getting at? 
I mean, is this the right way to look at what Paul is saying? It's a bit crazy for us to think that during a matter of heartbreak or suffering, we're not going to feel that. And we're not going to have an unappreciative attitude for it. Doesn't mean that tears are never going to fall. Doesn't mean that we're somehow immune to grief. We haven't become stoic people who disconnect ourselves from reality and the heart, the, the harm and the hurt that sometimes exists in our life, are we? What it means, brothers and sisters, that even in our broken heart or our difficult period of life, we can also have grateful hearts at the same time over other things as well. What may come out of those things can be great things for God. And sometimes it is the pain itself that causes us to re-examine where we stand and who we are and what our faith means. I will say to you that I've experienced, and I believe you probably have as well if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, that sometimes it's through the toughest things you find out what your faith is made of and you grab hold even tighter than you ever would have before. That's what God intends. And then we find joy in those things. We find happiness in the ability to do that because there are times in life when the only thing we have left is God and our faith with Him. Right? In the toughest of times, we find ourselves more tightly grabbing hold of God through faith than we ever might have before. So now flip over to Psalms 103, because that's the heart of our study this evening. Uh, This was all preliminary groundwork to get to Psalms 103. David goes into a further detail. There are a lot of Psalms that we could have chosen from. This one was one that uh, was selected for me, and I think it's a great one that has to do with this point. What it looks like when we read, as a new covenant child of God, that we are to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So are you there with me? We're going to start in verse 1 of Psalm 103. See how it is that we are praising God for the greatest of all blessings. Psalms 103 verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Same thing that was just said in the New Testament. Same concept, right? Bless the Lord and all that is within me. When? All the time is the implication. Bless His holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all His benefits. Now look at this. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your life is renewed like the eagles or your youth is renewed like our the main eagles. text Verse this eight. morning the lord is merciful there, and gracious up. slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love he will not always chide nor will he keep his anger forever he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, 
So far, his steadfast love is toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, oh, I'm sorry, uh, does he remove our transgressions from us, he says in verse 12. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I want you to notice, first of all, in this text, it's not just some words that David is writing here because he's a poet or a, a songwriter. There, it's not because he's just in this happy mood that he writes these things. If you're familiar with the Psalms, you know David struggled greatly with negative things in life. Hard, difficult things in his life. Even to the point that if you're familiar with the Psalms, you come out of the Psalms saying, thank God I do not have the kind of things David had to deal with in his life. Hard life. But he saw things through the perspective of God. And that's what we're looking at here. Talks about praising God with all that is within him in verse 1. It's easy to take things for granted, isn't it? Even the smallest and simplest expressions of God's constant recognition of us. His constant care. And to see that through the utmost appreciation. I'm just asking you a simple question. Do you see life that way? Every breath that is taken is given. Every thought that is thought is made possible by God. Every ounce of who we are, it is all made possible by God. And yet, often we find no appreciation for these things at all. We just take them for granted until the worst of times. And then often we're tempted to find God. Well, maybe the wrong, wrong word there. We are tested to find God. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, if you are in that category, you need to re-examine I feel sorry for those who forget God's love and provisions in times of difficulty because they have consistently forgotten Him in times of good. How do we remember God in difficult times when we have set Him aside in the good times and think that God's okay with that? The Christian can know God doesn't stop being faithful Just because things get hard in their life, if they have remembered to be thankful when times are easy in their life, we don't change, in other words. In fact, we just get more intent on hanging on to God through the hard times. What do we do when those hard times come? I want you to notice King David centers more than on the negatives just like Paul was doing. Look at those enormous benefits that we have a list of there, and then we'll look at a few more after we look at these. God forgives all your iniquity. He heals diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. God's redemption even reaches there. I don't know what to say about that except thank God for that. Even there, 
He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good. Just to name a few there at the beginning of David's list. David says, just consider all the good God bestows in your life. Even when things aren't like you, they, like you wish they were in your life. Even then, God is there. Is it possible that we often look for things to complain about, brothers and sisters, instead of looking for things to praise God about when we're not happy with our life? When something's not the way we wished it was, the way we intended it, the way we thought it would be, all that kind of thing. I mean, it's just a question for us to consider, right? Maybe when we get, and probably we all do, I don't know, I do. When I get on the mindset of negativity, maybe I should stop and consider what life is really like if God were not there. If God were not involved in the situation I'm in, what would life really look like then? What would I really feel like then if God truly was not involved? It's not just what is happening before me right now. It's not just what I can see in the moment. It is so much more than that, and that's what David is pointing out. God is at work in so many more ways than what I'm aware of, even in my own personal life, but in life in general. God is there in ways that I'm unaware of. He's doing things that I can't see or know, and He knows, and He does, for the benefit of His children. David names off a lot of reasons here that we can give thanks for God and, uh, and why we are blessed the way that we are, uh, or at least the amount of which we are blessed, the degree to which we are blessed the way that we are. Uh, again, you notice there in verse 3, he forgives all our iniquities, he heals all our disease, uh, he redeems your life from the pit, he crowns you with steadfast love uh, and mercy, and he satisfies you with good. Verse 8, continue on in, in our reading there uh, in, uh, in verse 8. Uh, let me see here. Let me, let me catch up before I, I continue on. So in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Look at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquity. And then jump down to verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Isn't that great? To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. I get done reading that and I say to myself, man, oh man, am I I lucky? Then I say, well, it's not really luck. (laughs) It's quite the opposite. I look at the lives of God's people and I realize the good that God brings into our lives, brothers and sisters, is anything but luck. Anything but luck. It's God's hand that makes things possible. It's God's hand who brings good into our life. And sometimes it's God's hand who brings pain into our life for the purpose of making us better. And that's okay too. Just as we sometimes are persecuted because we are Christians and God's people, children of God, so we are sometimes even more greatly blessed because we are children of God. Sometimes we're unwilling to receive both. We just want one of those perspectives 
when God is saying, but that's not the way it works. It goes both ways. I am reminded of Job who said, we'll receive good from God. And Job uses a word there that we don't usually use toward God, and evil from him also. And that word evil just means things that are contrary to what is good for us from our perspective. We'll receive good, but not take the things that we don't like as well. Not only does he love blessing us, brothers and sisters, he loves for us to be a blessing. And this is where David takes a bit of a turn in the psalm. Look at chapter, again, chapter 103 of Psalm. But then we're looking down now at verse 20 of the text. Uh, Verse 20 of the text. He says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his domain or dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What has David just done there? He's talked, I'm sorry, he's talked about the heavenly beings there, hasn't he? And he said, look, even the angels are, are a blessing. They have blessings that are given to God. And what are angels anyway? They just kind of walk around up there. They just don't have anything to do. They're just kind of existing. The whole purpose of that part of God's creation, at least in part, we should say, maybe is a better way to say that, is that they manage what he wants to be done. That's even here now. They take care as ministers of God's word or way, his will. (laughs) What are they doing? The blessings that they have, they are giving to us or whatever else he wants to have done what about this other thing where he says his uh the places of his domain well that includes everything doesn't it let me ask you something does an animal give us anything in return for its existence the blessing of its survival given to given to it by god do those blessings continue on in this world What if there were no animals? Could we survive? Everything that God does and blesses is to to potentially give a blessing onward. Not just keep the blessing for self is what I'm getting at. But oftentimes we may find ourselves wanting to exist by taking the blessings from God and hoarding those up and keeping those for self. And that's not what God is wanting. And this psalm is teaching that. Everything God creates is blessed, but then God says, now go out and bless the way that I have blessed you. Everything that God creates is what David is pointing out. Whether on heaven or on earth, his creation is to be moved from thanks for blessings to action because of blessings. Nothing exists that God has made that is, ex- uh, that is exempt from that. God, God's blessings are to be reciprocal, or they will cease to be recognized as a blessing. The psalmist closes just as he began this psalm with our being urged to make 
personal application in our life, finding this deeper appreciation and thanks, praise, bless the Lord, O my soul, in verse 22. So let's make a little bit of application and we'll close this evening. Do you have good health? Is that a blessing from God to have good health? As I get older, I find more and more that's a real blessing to have from God. Give thanks for the health that He has given you and then help somebody who suffers with their health because that's passing on a blessing in your blessing. You have a good family? Give thanks to God for your good family and then be a blessing in the life of somebody who has no family. That's passing on your blessing. Do you have material wealth? Give thanks to God for your material wealth. And bless others who don't have it. Do you have a good spiritual family? I threw that in there, but yeah. You do have a good spiritual family. If you're part of this family, you have a good spiritual family. Give thanks to God for your spiritual family. But don't forget to be of benefit to your spiritual family in return. Do you have forgiveness and redemption through Jesus Christ? Give thanks to your God and be a blessing by sharing His message to one who's lost and does not have Jesus Christ. That's sharing your blessing and passing that blessing on that you've been blessed with. Speak of what God has done for you to those who do not yet know a God like you know. If our blessings are only enjoyed by ourselves, brother and sister, they will not stay blessings. They will be taken wholly for granted. God wants us to be a blessing. The psalmist reminds us, God's people have this song. (laughs) Even in the difficulties of life, we have this song. And we don't think about that that way, maybe, as we should. Yeah, the world is a messed up place. Yeah, sin has, has created havoc and chaos and difficulty and sorrow and tears and sadness. Yeah, it, it has all of that in there. And yes, we, we also reap that product of what's in the world. We also have that at times in our life. But brethren, let's never forget we have greater reasons to sing and praise and give thanks to our God that surpass even the very best moments in the here and now. We see those through Christ. We have those. We don't wish for those. We don't hope for those. He already gives us those. We've experienced them and we will experience more provided He gives us continued life. In this, on this side of time. I want you to think about Psalms 137 as we close this evening. Psalms 137 speaks to the fact that if you don't feel blessed, you won't have this symptom of joy in your life. The psalmist bemoans their fall to the Babylonian people. He says in Psalms 137, and this is in verse 1, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept When we remembered Zion, there on the willows, we hung our harps. 
They weren't playing, they weren't singing. Verse 3, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Every time I read that psalm, I am reminded of some of these points. Have you ever been forced to sing songs when you didn't feel like singing them? I mean, we all have the option to sing when we're assembled together. I get it. Or even if we're not, we have the option to sing. We sit there and not say anything if that's what we want to do. We're, we're forsaking what God tells us to do, but we could do it if that's what we wanted. Most of the time we're going to sing even if we don't feel like it when we're with God's people, especially in the assembly. Have you ever been forced during a time like that, for example, to sing hallelujah, what a savior, when you really don't feel that blessed to be saved? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. When the blessings of being saved have not been meaning what they should in your life. You ever been forced to sing, heaven holds all to me. When you've not really been thinking about heaven, been thinking about everything else in life. Come let us worship and bow down. But really worship is not something you're all excited about that particular day when God's people come together. Magnify, oh magnify, when you've been living a life that's really contrary to the magnification of Jesus living in you and what that really means. And then there's the servant's song. When you haven't really been centered on others, you've been centered only on yourself this week. When joy ends, and this is the point I'm trying to get at, when joy ends, brothers and sisters, due to a lack of thanks in our life, we can't do the thanksgiving thing. We we promote darkness in our life rather than light. You can't share something you don't have, and if there's no joy in salvation, then your life will not give out. It won't sing out. It won't joyfully praise and give thanks to God. It matters. It matters in who we are. You can have godly joy even when things don't seem to be a blessing in this world because you have a bigger perspective in your life than the here and now. God's blessed us in ways we could never have on our own. He's given us things that we could never share without Him. It's bigger than our life. Like the Israelites in Babylon, I've got to bring myself to a place of praise if I desire real lasting joy in my life. And in order to do that, I've got to find thanks in places the world would never see it, never recognize it. Then I can have what God created me to have. Psalms 139 touched on some of this today as we looked at this morning. Jeremiah 12, verse 3. O Lord, you know me 
you see me and test my heart for you. God knows you and me, and perhaps he is testing you right now as we look at this great psalm of David and how David is describing, just as the New Testament writers, your life is made up of more than just what you see in front of you. Think bigger. Think greater for God and his purpose. Maybe for a long time you've been promising God, maybe it's been years, that you're going to finally get really serious. One day you're really going to get serious about your spiritual well-being and you're going to finally be the kind of Christian you know God is asking you to be, but you've been putting that off for whatever reason. Maybe your life has been marked more by mediocrity than anything else. It's another week gone by filled with opportunity to live your life out for God, but you just hadn't been doing that. Week after week, that kind of seems to be the same thing in your life. Another conversation gone by last week where you could have mentioned God, but you just chose not to. Where's your thanks? Where is your thanks? It should manifest itself around every corner, in every detail. God ought to be part of our daily conversation with heathen or saint. God should come out of us because we are thankful to Him in everything. Your life sing a song of giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are Maybe one or more here this evening who believes this enough, they're ready to commit to it. I'll just tell you this, there's a lot of us here tonight who have literally committed to the death to this way of life we're describing. We chose to do it by taking that first step. All of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. We died with Him. And we were raised again, Romans 6 teaches. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised through the glory of the Father, we too might live in new life. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's what we're looking at tonight. That's where real joy begins. It starts with salvation through Christ and it grows stronger through the blessings that come with it. It overflows into an expression of great thanks in every area of our life. That is a new life. It's different from the world. It has purpose, it has activity, and it produces lasting joy. And if you need to have that this evening, you can talk to us afterward in private if you want. Or if it is that you find yourself ready to respond to that this very moment, why don't you do that now while together we stand and as we sing.